Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Before we begin the show proper, here's two promos from some very talented people. The first is Melissa from True Crime Asia, followed by Erica, host of Southern Fried True Crime. In a sea of true crime voices, these are two that should be heard. So, now for your ear holes pleasure, here are two pods that you do not want to miss. Take it away. Hi, my name is Melissa and I'm the host for True Crime Asia. Each episode, I walk you through one crime from one country. Not only will we learn about murders, kidnaps, black market art trades, and so on, we'll also tackle Western misconceptions and stereotypes about Asia. Download True Crime Asia on Apple, Google Play, or wherever else you listen to podcasts. The best way to learn about a culture is to tour its underbelly. Hey there, this is Erica Kelly, host of the podcast Southern Fraud True Crime. Each week, I take a look at a different Southern crime. Unlike any good gossip, I'm interested in anyone or anything. I cover contemporary and historical cases, and I love listener suggestions. Come join me as I explore the dark underbelly of the Deep South. I'm a one-woman show in a narrative format, kind of like sitting by the fire and listening to a story. So pull up a chair and subscribe if you're interested. I'd love to have you. Until then, y'all take care. Engage intro voice. First of all, let me say Happy New Year to y'all, and welcome to the first Mirth and Monsters of 2018. How are your chuckle muscles? Rusted? Underused? Then join me on this journey to Chuckle Town. Follow CK and Finn, who we all know is the real star of the show, as they head forth on more adventures, bringing fun interest, and awesomeosity to your ear holes. So kick back, take a bowl of chips, and let the leprechaun dude take you away. On with the pod. Well, hello, my friends. Long time no speakies. I hope you're happier than a hippo who's decided to say hell with the diet. I'm happy as I am. So, what's been going on since last we spoke? Well, Christmas has been and gone, of course. Finn got some more hats from his kind friends at 36 times, including a tartan Turie, and he loves it. Ray got yet another Barry Manilow Greatest Hits, and where she gets them from, I do not know, but I wish they would stop. The other two cats, Bobby and Cass, have submitted some suggestions for the show, and they may well feature at some point down the line. Enough of a catch-up, though. Let's move on to the very exciting and highly requested subject of the episode. Unicorns! <laughs> a good few folks have been asking me to cover unicorns, and it's been a lot of fun to find out about these beautiful and wondrous creatures. Of course, I have been around these glorious beasts before, the birthday episode involved unicorn racing, but I've never fully delved into the full history of them until now. Turns out there's a lot more to them than just the horn. 
First up, as always, is hitting the books. I have used a good few books, but the two main ones that I've been using for the theoretical research. The first is called Unicorns, A History of Horns and Hooves by Professor Murray Ninnam. And the slightly less academic, yet still very helpful, Dude, that's no donkey, that's my unicorn, by Dr. Adam Fairley. Very highly regarded in their fields. Now I learned some new things from these books, and I will be taking a wee journey later with the wee man, as I manage to find a place where a herd of unicorns reside. For now though, what are the standard ideas we have heard about unicorns? They are the shape of your standard horse. This is true. They have a single horn on their head. Also true. They have magical powers. No doubt there. That's the standard ideas. We will get to the ones that are less known a little bit later. But how do we know even these basic examples? Well, it starts way, way back. Oh, sorry about that folks. I've normally got that thing turned on silent. Good news though, pizza's on the way. Where was I? Oh yes, we're going back. Way back. Far enough that it deserves one of these. You see, the unicorn has been around in the forms of writings, legend, possible sightings since antiquity. Antiquity is a period that is thought to have begun around six or 700 BC. BC this time standing for Blimey Charlie, that's ages ago. So, unicorns don't actually come from Greek mythology, but instead they were written about by Greek scholars of natural history. Because whereas Greek myths were seen as important allegorical tales, they weren't seen as fact. But these scholars did actually believe in the existence of unicorns. Just not in Greece. In India. Now when I read this, it did cross my mind that these historians saying that, like unicorns are like totally real, they just live in India, was similar to a young man saying, I have so got a girlfriend. Where does she live? Uh, Canada? One of the first historians to describe the unicorn was Pliny the Elder. Now old Pliny is a bit of a legend in the natural history world, and his works are still read to this day. However, he may not have been wearing his natural history glasses when he described what he called a monoceros or monosaurus. He described it as follows. The head of a stag, the feet of an elephant, the tail of a boar, the rest of the shape is horse, and it had a deep lowing noise, and it was all topped off with one black horn. I've tried to picture this in my noggin, and I admit I've struggled to see anything but a very unhappy animal who cannot decide what it wants to be, and it just kept on lowing deeply, like a miserable cow. 
Another legendary figure who got his eyeballs in a twist when it came to describing unicorns was Marco Polo. Marco Polo? Who is that? Anyway, he described them as such. Scarcely smaller than elephants. They have the hair of a buffalo and feet like an elephant's. They have a single large black horn in the middle of the forehead. They have a head like a wild boar. They spend their time, by preference, wallowing in mud and slime. They are very ugly boots to look at. Now you see what he did there. That's a rhinoceros he's describing. It's very sweet that Marco Polo, Polo, it! it's very sweet that Mr. Polo was so keen on wanting it to be a plump unicorn that he got a bit carried away. Poor Marco Polo Polo. <sighs> echo, 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 echo. Stop that. No, you stop that. Ah! And I'm back. Next door's parrot got in through the kitchen window and decided to have some fun at my expense. It's been dealt with. One of the most, if not the most, distinctive things about a unicorn is, of course, the horn. The horn is purported to be made of a substance called alicorn. Now in some contexts, alicorn does also mean a winged, sorry, winged horse like Pegasus. But in this instance, alicorn is the material of the unicorn horn. Now, sadly... Like a lot of animal features, and the rarer they are, the more sought after they are, the idea that they can be used for medicinal properties is highly regarded and believed. So, there have been hunts, certainly in the past, of unicorns in an attempt to get the horn and make it into a powder, because some king in the medieval period has man flu, and instead of ibuprofen and a bit of rest, only the horn of the unicorn will do. Sheesh. In these hunts, there was an unfortunate weakness with the unicorn. Due to the creature's purity and grace, they just couldn't leave a maiden in trouble alone. If she was lost in the forest, a unicorn would trot along and keep her company and lay his head on her lap as she stroked his mane for comfort. Unfortunately, this was often a trap. When the unicorn was vulnerable, the group of hunters would throw a net over it and quickly as they could nullify its freedom with the aid of ropes. They would then take it back to whoever wanted it in the first place, probably King Flu, and keep it inside a ringed fence and chained to a pomegranate tree. In the tapestries of these events, the unicorn, for some reason, always looks Utterly delighted. I don't think that may have been the case. Luckily, the unicorn is a very, very intelligent being, and the chances of one being trapped these days are so low that even the Queen of Limbo herself, Bendy McBendyface, couldn't get under it. Swiftly moving on, it's not just rhinos that are the cause of some confusion for unicorn spotters, who, by the way, are known as unicornettos. The narwhal has long been linked with the unicorn due to the fact that the narwhal also has a real beauty of a horn. The fact that it's technically a tooth is neither here nor there. 
Some of you may already know that confusing a narwhal with a unicorn seems pretty odd. This would be because the narwhal is a sea creature, and the unicorn, not so much. The reason that the connections continued for so long is, I think, for two reasons. One, people simply wanted to believe that unicorns were real. Two, social status. For example, in Denmark in the 1600s, there was a royal throne commissioned and one was made by Bendix Grultschilling at the behest of King Christian V. The legend is that it was made, in part, with unicorn horns, but it was actually narwhal tusks. But did anyone tell the king? No, of course they didn't. Not just because it was guarded by three life-size lions made of silver, but who's going to mess with the guy who thinks that this is a sensible piece of furniture? The fella is just a bit... In general, narwhal tusks are always just believed to be unicorn horns. I couldn't find any evidence to the contrary. The trade for these was vast, as they were, as has been mentioned, considered magical. Now call it my stubborn nature, but I would be wondering if someone who manages to capture or kill a unicorn and get the horn... Why would they never take the rest of the unicorn with them? Here is the proof, they could cry. But obviously they didn't. Not because unicorns don't exist, but because they could never find them. Unicorns had become very wily since the old maiden in peril trick and became harder to find than a hamburger in a vegan restaurant. However, with a lot of research, patience and spreading the word through my underground contacts, in the hope that my purely peaceful interest will reach the ears of some unicorns, I finally got the word that a meeting would be granted. Now let me tell you, there was some dancing in Casa CK that day. So here we are, folks. Back on the bike with me and the wee man about to venture to see some unicorns and get some actual facts from the horse's mouth. Not a phrase I'm going to use when I get there. Anyway, coordinates are inputted. Sandwiches are packed. Hats on. Goggles down. And here we go! I've arrived, folks, and oh my word, what a sight that greets me. A rainbow, closer than I think I've ever been to one. Always lucky, but also a rather funky whiff. I hear some mechanical noises behind me. Me and Finn get off the bike and turn around. Well, I never... Of all the rumours about unicorns that turn out to be true, I did not think it would be this one. About a hundred feet from where I'm stood are seven unicorns, all tucking into their own individual trough of food. Each has a different colour of food that they're all noshing, and I'm going to have to assume that there's some special concoction of spices in this food, 
because every 30 seconds or so I can hear the unmistakable sound of... Tell you what, let me get my microphone out so you can hear what I can hear more clearly. Forgive my coarseness, listeners, but with my own eyes, I am seeing unicorns fart rainbows. It is true. Each food colour represents each individual bow of the rainbow. The mechanical sounds I'm hearing belong to seven quite large boxy structures, seem to be made of iron with an almost absurd amount of rivets to keep them together. They look old but sturdy, a bit like an Irish grandma, and they seem to be converting the uh, energy into the beauty of the rainbow. This is remarkable. While me and the wee man are transfixed, we do not hear the approach of hooves from behind us. I jump slightly when I hear... Not what you expected, I'm guessing. The words are said with a smile, and I turn to see a magnificent unicorn standing not five feet from me. You must be CK, and this magnificent creature is Finn? I manage to gather myself and reply, I on both counts. He bows slightly, and I return the gesture. He looks down at Finn, who is incredibly calm, and makes a complicated sounding noise that is, well, sounds like a unicorn barking. Finn responds with a friendly couple of barks himself, and I swear it looks like he smiles. My name is Langorian, and it is my pleasure to have you both as our guests. We have heard about some of your adventures and felt comfortable inviting you here. I appreciate that, Langorian. I must admit, I've never heard a unicorns actually talking. Ah, well we do have many magical properties, one of which is being able to make others understand us. Is that also why you sound like a friendly Roger Moore? We felt it would be most comfortable for you. You have no idea how comfortable. Take a walk with me, CK. Let me show you round. Feel free to ask me anything. I couldn't say much to begin with. I was taken in my surroundings, which were just exquisite. All fields, trees, a gorgeous landscape of nature. I must admit, I was taking a moment to compose myself. Even though I was spoken to trolls and leprechauns, even seen a fight with a dragon, I was walking alongside an actual unicorn. Internally, I was fangirling like crazy, but I managed to keep it together to think of some questions. So, Langorian, unicorns have been in the mythical and historical realms for literally thousands of years, other than a comparatively short spell in the medieval period when the Help, help, I'm a maiden in peril ploy seemed to work. The sightings of actual unicorns have been almost non-existent. How has that been possible for such a long time? It can't all be down to experience of age. Good question. 
As you say, experience can only get you so far. There has to be a practical side of things. As much as I would be happier to not have our existence proven, there will always be people who will search and not all of them will be purely curious for knowledge such as yourself. As you are aware, some of my kind were captured and mistreated, so we had to come up with various solutions. The first and most important one was to make ourselves invisible on the human plane. We pooled our magic, literally. We created a pool of pure unicorn magic. Very intense, very powerful. It took a good bit of time, but every unicorn went into this pool, and the power was such that it created a time portal, and it took us here. You would think that would be enough, but we knew we would need further solutions. So we came up with the idea of decoys. Decoys, you say? Oh, yes. I'll just give you a couple of examples. One is the roe deer that is found in the hills of Italy. Now, this deer is just a deer. Because it has an unusual formation of antler, it has just the one, you see. And if there's some kind of, uh, how would you say, malfunction in the genetics, then the horn appears in the center of the forehead. Because normally, it's off to the side. So it's if it's being worn at a jaunty angle or a rakish tilt. That's one decoy. Now there is another one. This is a very interesting one. There are two humans. One called Timothy Zell and his wife Morning Glory. Now, we gave them the idea through the power of dreams. They're quite the hippie types, you see. We gave them the idea through dreams of when they were raising goats while the kids were young. Then the budding horns they would manipulate to grow into one large one. As you probably know, us unicorns have been described as goat-sized, with cloven hooves, a goat's beard. There is a reason behind our thoughts. Timothy is still on the go, sadly. Morning Glory did pass a while back. But they are doing us a lot of good. We kept walking, and I was taken in the surroundings. It was such a peaceful place, but at the same time I could see smaller unicorns laying on the green grass, listening intently to an adult unicorn. It very much looked like a school lesson. Finn, Finn, careful! Finn had left my side and he'd sat down with the young unicorns. None of them flinched. He was welcome and it looked like he was paying attention, so I left him to it. I could also see that there were unicorns in the fields, pulling small plows. You grow your own foods here. We do. We are very simple in our food choices. But hey, a horse gotta eat. Ha! I looked at Langorian in surprise. We fart rainbows, CK. You really think we don't have a sense of humour? Yeah, about that. How? I'm stumped. <laughs> well, it would seem that magical creatures have many powers. Unicorns, as you may know, can purify poison water and also heal sickness. However, 
for many hundreds of years, we've been able to um, create rainbows. I know that it is very odd, a bit like a mermaid burping sunshine. How it came about, I'm afraid I don't know. The records must be out there somewhere, but it's something that is just known to each individual from a very early age. I'm still a bit confused as to why, though. Oh, it's business. Ourselves and the leprechauns have an arrangement. We deliver the rainbows, and they harvest at the other end, and use them for their business and their traditions. A lot of business does get done at the annual unicorn race event. That's one of the reasons why it was created. It can be a hard world for us mythical creatures, so we do have to look out for each other as best we can. A lot do. Some don't. But at the moment, there is a balance. There were so many things I wanted to ask, but there was one in particular that I really wanted to get his opinion on. So as you know, I'm Scottish. Did you know that the unicorn is the national animal of Scotland? I did indeed. Now I read that it was because unicorns are proud and haughty, and we'd rather die than be captured. You can take my horn, but you can never take my freedom, kind of thing. Any truth in that? Well, we are proud, but the rest seems rather, um... Dramatic, don't you think? There are a few reasons, but the two main ones is that Scotland have produced a remarkable amount of thinkers and inventors, and we appreciate the imagination that is required behind that. The other reason, well, they're just so cool. And that accent is to die for. I can't argue with that. I could see a unicorn a little bit away gesture towards Langorian. Could you excuse me for a moment? Nay bother, you take your time. So my friends, here's what I'm going to do. I have a feeling I will be here for a wee while yet. So I'm going to ask Langorian if I can sit with him for a spell and probe his mind about the world of unicorns. There are just too many things to ask, and there's a good chance that this is going to become a two-part episode. If nothing else, there'll be a bonus episode featuring an interview with the man, sorry, with the unicorn himself. If you could be good enough to stay tuned after the closing music, I have a couple of announcements regarding the show, future ventures and adventures, all of which will involve yourselves as many ways as possible. So, till next time my friends, slancha your good health. Thank you for staying with me, folks. I just need to remind any new Murthers how you can contact me. I'm on the Twitter, at Murths and Monsters. You can find me on Instagram, at Murths and Monsters Pod. And there's a Facebook page and a group, 
The group is called Mirths and Monsters Facebook group, aka Finn's Fan Club. Just ask for a request and you can be added to a friendly and safe corner of the internet. Now the other big news is that Mirths and Monsters is going to have a Patreon page. Available from the 1st of February. I've decided to use Podbean for this as they've been a great support for me and it feels right to be with them. There are various tiers with an array of rewards and there's going to be surprise gifts as well. All starts from one dollar, one buck. So if any of you have an interest in supporting the podcast financially, that would be just shockingly good. Thank you for all your kind words, your support, and for being the coolest Marthas in the land. I'll speak soon, my friends. Daddy Fling for now. <laughs>